0: Hello and welcome to another episode of GPPW Live. This time we have the cross-Atlantic edition because I'm joined by Tom Lee, our intrepid social media editor and general awesome person.
1: Ha- Hello, finally, finally. Good to speak with you, Moritz. <laughs> it's been yeah. a little while. Yes, we just. And I also want to. Rec- I just want to say I also am the interim assistant director. Just to give a little bit of a plug for my title there. The most
0: humblest of apologies. For of
1: course, me. I understand. We're busy uh-huh. people.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, busy and apparently very, very vain people. Um, oh, yes. Comes with s- the territory. Comes, yeah, comes with being a social scientist. Oh. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, so to- yeah, so uh, what we want to do now is basically give a quick half an hour-ish update on not necessarily what GPPW has been up to, but what the world has been up to. And um, with the virtue of us being in Canada and Germany, respectively, we'll each talk for a bit. And then we'll also have a more informal episode coming up next week, um, in which we will be a bit more freestyling and a bit less professional than, than now, whatever that means. Um, all right. You want to start? Sure.
1: Yeah. Well, going on in the world, lots, lots going on in the world sort of generally. Um, but, you know, my my work and my interests have been taking me looking at um, sub-Saharan Africa quite a lot, um, specifically DR Congo, the Democratic okay. Republic of Congo, um, and the whole Great Lakes region is more generally, as well as South Sudan. Um, and while well, the entire region is, is having its troubles these these days, of course, uh, but DR Congo especially, is certainly going through its own sort of constitutional crisis. Uh, To give a bit of a backdrop here, um, the president uh, is Joseph Kabila. Now, he is the son of Laurent Kabila, who was actually the general who led the wars, the First and Second Congo War, against uh, Mobutu Sese Soko, who was then called Zaire's uh, long-term dictator. I think he was a dictator in every way that you can imagine. He had the sort of gravelly voice. He had the funny hats. He had the sunglasses. He had the plunderous wealth from his uh, government coffers. I think it totaled in the end to be about $7 billion. Uh, You know, he'd he'd fly his wife on Concorde uh, jets to go to Paris for shopping trips. It was the whole deal. So he was removed from power in those wars.
0: It does sound like fun, though.
1: It does, yeah. It pays to be an African dictator sometimes, apparently. (laughs) Good job if you can Um, get it, right?
0: Yeah, Uh, that's a big if, though. If,
1: if, yeah, a very big if. Um, so, again, he was deposed through those uh, wars with uh, Laurent Kabila, who then became the first democratically elected president of DR Congo. Um, but unfortunately for him, he was assassinated about two years into his first term as president um, and then was, in, was taken up by uh, the presidency. was taken up then by Joseph, his son, uh, who be- at uh, 29 became uh, one of the world's youngest uh sort of internationally recognized leaders, it's a pretty good job You can get it, too. Um, Especially
0: at 29.
1: Exactly, yeah. Um, so he has now been in power for, I think, 12 or 13 years. Um, and the Constitution dictates that uh, at the end of this year, December 2016, when the next election is scheduled for the country, he is supposed to step down. There is a Constitution that clearly states that he has two terms of novice that he can fulfill, so he filled in the last half of his father's uh, term, and then he did, had his own two terms, democratically elected, through, of course, quite suspect uh, electoral processes. Um, yeah. and, and now he is coming to the end of his term, and there is every sign possible, from whether it be government officials, or Kabila himself, or even the country's highest Supreme Court, that he will try and delay, 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 and do everything he can to... I'm not going to say absolutely try to stay in power indefinitely, but at least mm-hmm. try and stay in power for the next um, year plus. Um, the big the big question right now is, he is trying to again the the elections are supposed to be scheduled for I think November, him to step down in December once they've all been counted. But again, he has delayed, 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 and he actually asked the Supreme Court to allow him to take a nationwide census before any election could be taken. Now, that was asked in March, and that is a process that, once approved, will take at minimum uh, about 18 months, 12 to 18 months. Um, and as you can see, that is Kabila trying to stay past his constitutionally mandated term, at the very least. Um, critics and opponents say that this is only a ploy to delay, 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 until perhaps people just sort of... Um, lose enough power and grassroots activity to sort of, that he's able to sort of stay in power for for another term or for even longer. It sort of mirrors Pierre and Kerenziza's, uh efforts last year in Burundi to the same sort of thing with success. He's still president okay. now. Um, so there's been in the past, well, the past few months, but even in the past month itself, September, there's just been gratuitous violence uh, all throughout the country. Um, it's been, there's been opposition headquarters burned down. There's been protests in the in the streets of Kinshasa, the capital. Um, you know where dozens of people have died, sort of yeah. days on days on days, um, and it's reaching sort of a bit of a crisis point now. I think a lot of international and domestic observers in DR Congo are starting to think that the country could easily slip down into another period of, you know, not, at, at yeah. the at the least level, local level conflict, but. It is a country recovering from two horrific wars. Uh, I think the Second Congo War was the highest um, death toll in any war since World War II, about 5 million. Um, so it's a country that's very fragile. It's a country that's new to democracy in its, in its form. And it's one that many observers, I think, on, on either side of the divide, whether they be Kabila supporters or international observers, such as the UN, or U.S. or EU partners are saying, you know, this could be a real brink of the collapse um, situation right now. So obviously it's still very fluid, um, but times, uh-huh. times are looking bad right now. Uh, and that's just the political side. Uh, you know, on the armed conflict side, there's multiple rebel groups, Islamist rebel groups in the eastern part of the country that are continuously raiding uh, villages. I think there was about about 60 people killed in the village near Beni. About last month uh, in an armed raid, so just across all boards, um, the country seems to be leaning towards a crisis, and that's something I've been focusing on the last few weeks and months, taking a look at. And um, yeah, Yeah. there's just I think I think a lot of people are just waiting.
0: See. Yeah. Um, uh, Before we move on, because we you know have somewhat of a limited um, schedule right now, uh, just one quick question. Um, You said that he might not seek office for indefinitely, which is better known as his life. Um, So what are the indicators for him not seeking that? Why why do you think that that is not about to happen?
1: Well, all his actions suggest that he is trying to, he has not tried to, you know, completely ignore the Constitution. He has pretty much proposed this um, national census, um, to try and delay, and that's sort of been the the majority of what he's done in the last year to try and sort of get a delay in the election and then perhaps another, another plan that he has later on. But um, all indications so far suggest that he what he's doing, as nefarious as it may be, are within the confines of the Constitution. Now, what you see happen a lot in Africa and other parts of the world is leaders eventually try and amend the constitution to give themselves indefinite rule or much longer rule. It happened in Cameroon. It's happened in, uh, the the Republic of Congo, which is a neighbor of theirs. It just happened, uh, recently, actually the leader was reelected. But again, the indication suggests that he has done everything according to the constitution thus far and has not tried to violate it. But as you say, um, long-term, um, there could be indications coming in the next few months or weeks that his, um, Attempts will become increasingly perhaps volatile and increasingly maybe in violation of law All
0: right Good um, yeah, I probably follow that up with the one short um, Comment about something completely different on a completely different continent because you go right ahead we, <laughs> You got
1: limited time. And we want yeah, to either way people check out the DR Congo conflict yes, and, and Make sure you uh, read up on it because it's a very and, Interesting, but also a very dangerous situation happening right
0: now. Yeah. And we will probably also talk about it, um, with a more loose tongue in the episode next week. Absolutely. So yeah. Um, but yeah, I just want to quickly do what the usual GPPW thing, which is updates about Germany. Yay.
1: And, <laughs> always good um, to
0: hear. There's, uh,
1: well, yeah. Well, interesting. <laughs> but not, not always
0: good. Not yeah, always. But good. So the, the most, The latest developments were, yeah, the latest developments were bombs in Eastern Germany, which is so much less fun than it sounds. Um, so there was a, a, a bomb exploded in front of a mosque this Monday. So we have a good idea what, uh, what the motivations are, but luckily no one was hurt. It was detonated like in the, at night, during the night from Sunday to Monday. Uh, right. Okay. So no, no one
1: around, and
0: no one around. There was like physical damage, of course, and but yeah, of course, the biggest amount of damage and the biggest kind of damage has been dealt, which is uh, yeah, fear, which is insecurity, which is uh, you know the, uh, the proclaimed rebellion against the system of do-gooders and whatever. So. Yeah, and then there was actually today a, a, a fake bomb was found in Dresden, and that was not just found anywhere in Dresden, but it was found at at an like cultural heritage site, and the whole city of Dresden right now is preparing for the celebrations for the National Day of Unity. Of of Germany, the reunification day is that's going to happen on 3rd of October. Right. So the whole city is preparing for that. And then, you know, the somebody on
1: the backdrop of a culture of fear and xenophobia and 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 all that bad stuff.
0: Yeah, so those are the most recent events, and I mean, of course, the usual politicking is happening as well in the aftermath of the elections that we covered, but nothing overly surprising is happening. And I'd rather skip back to you for Canada update, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, well, you know, in Canada, uh, we gotta say we're we're not exactly the exact most. State. The most exciting country. Uh, we're hosting the World Cup of Hockey right now, um, which is that's, always good. One, 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 what,
0: what, pardon me. That's not nothing. It, well, at least for Canadians.
1: And it's and it's team and it's Team Canada versus Team Europe um, yes. in the final. So, you know, we got we got some real sort of rivalry going on here, uh, Maurice. You can be the oh. Europe team. I'll be the Canada team.
0: <laughs> so I'll so I'll not be good in hockey.
1: But, you know, it'll be our intellectual... Uh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: let's, let's not do that. We're, we're, you know... We're all friends here? Well, we all want to save the world and all want to save, save ourselves a bit more. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, the Canada news right now, this is very sort of um, unimportant news in the geopolitical side of things, but we do have uh, Prince William and Princess Kate... Um, viewing the uh, Canadian West Coast. They've been doing a lot of good work, um, not work, but a lot of good meetings with uh, First Nations leaders and environmental uh, leaders. We just had a new rainforest created on the west Coast. I think it's the Great Bear Rainforest oh,
0: um,
1: that gave, well not it wasn't created, but it was they created a you know a special jurisdiction that would have you know no commercial activity whatsoever and a wildlife preserve. Um, and, you know, Kate Williams William visited it, they've been talking to a lot of First Nations leaders because uh, the First Nations issue is really the sort of the national shame of Canada and it's becoming an increasingly important um, topic and maybe not increasingly important but increasingly visible topic uh-huh. under Justin Trudeau's government. Um, I think the important difference between the government of Justin Trudeau, who's our current Prime Minister, and the government of Stephen Harper with regards to Aboriginals is that there was just no, there was just no discussion. There was no cooperation right. with, with Harper, and there was very little, um, at least on the surface, very little effort done to, you know, make reparations and and make sure the communities in the far north, because many First Nations in Canada live in very far north uh, regions that have limited access to, whether it be clean water, uh, food. Apparently, I heard uh, in Inuktitut, in Nunavut, a bag of flour can cost twenty dollars. Um, so there's a a huge gap of trust and a huge issue between Canadian government and Canadian public, and I think the First Nations communities that that live in the country. And under Justin Trudeau, we have seen um, increased um, cooperation, dialogue. Uh, We have now a a national committee uh, looking into the, you know, missing and murdered Aboriginal women. Um, So I think on the whole in Canada, we can say that um, you know, the 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 government Justin Trudeau in the last year or so it has been almost a year now um, while it has its problems with many people I think we can we can find that you know related to our increased dialogue with First Nations and even you know taking the lead on things like the Syrian refugee crisis as as best we can um, obviously not taking a huge lead but um, doing what we can to take 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 refugees in is a good sign of sort of maybe Increased altruism and increased uh, an, in- an increased internationalist and globalist outlook uh, that Canada's having right now, and that and that and that and that's coming in from you know we're trying to get a, a seat on the U.N. Security Council up in 2021. We're trying to sort of you know Justin Trudeau's famous claim that Canada is back. Um, so I think things are on the up for Canada in the global stage. Um, unfortunately, our economy isn't moving the way it wants to be, but. You know, uh, again, all, all quiet on the Western Frontier, right?
0: <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, but I mean, I guess you can't really expect to have, to, you know, to get the economy going as quickly. And we all know kind of the usual policy cycle of, you know. Oh, absolutely. And, I, I, and so, unfortunately,
1: I think that often an incumbent prime minister can get blamed for everything yeah. that doesn't, because it doesn't happen all at once. And I, I am finding that, not for me personally, but I think there is you know, I think Justin Trudeau had a great honeymoon phase for about eight or ten months, but I think now the real hard, some real hard decisions are I think going to come hitting him soon, and uh, I think we're going to have a, maybe a six month period of, of a real judgment period for Mr. Trudeau and, and his government.
0: Well, true, but I mean, he still managed to have his moment at the UN with the nice words, uh, "We are Canada, we we are here to help." Which exactly, was, which was nice, which were. And, kind- and,
1: and I'll- yeah, and on the international front, I think he is just miles and miles ahead of, of Stephen Harper's government, just by far. I mean, I am really liking Canada's new and uh, increased role in, in, in international affairs. Uh, it's, it's important, and it's something that the Harper government just completely seemed to ignore.
0: Well, yeah, but I wanted to say that. That's probably just by, you know, Trudeau's winning the, uh, the comparison by lack of competition. Right, um, yeah <laughs> yeah, so uh, okay, uh, now we have a choice. Um, we can I can well I can briefly mention uh, Elon Musk uh, and uh, the joy that that it is to see someone actually talk about the future, and then we also wanted to briefly talk also in this slightly more formal setting about the debate, about uh, Clinton and Trump.
1: Yeah, we'll give the next jump. 10 minutes to yep. both of
0: those. We'll sort of let we, one flow uh, brother. <laughs> uh If only you knew we have six minutes left. Um, but, yeah, so just a quick note. Elon Musk uh, announced that he wants to go to Mars within the next 10 years or less, um, which, uh, as was pointed out by another podcast, um, to Hank and John, that uh, within the next 10 years or earlier is in the past. Um, but yeah, anyway, it's it's, It's a very,
1: it's a very cool, uh, very cool development. I think Elon Musk, he just seems to do everything, eh? Whether it be Tesla or SpaceX or, you know, uh, PayPal before that. I mean, um, it's amazing. And did you you hear that he wants to name, um, the Mars bound craft after the sci-fi ship in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? The heart of gold. I like that a lot too. I
0: did not know that. that that's, that's a really yeah, cool. Uh, yeah. that's, that makes my nerd heart glow. glow. No, I think Elon uh,
1: Musk makes everyone's nerd heart glow in, in some well, ways. He's well,
0: smart. I think there's us nerds, and then there's everyone else who thinks he's going to become a supervillain. That's um, true. I think
1: he is one. He is one step away from possibly sliding down that path, like <laughs> yeah, Luthor path.
0: <laughs> yeah, ju- yeah, or just one dip in the wrong kind of acid.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> <A> SpaceX <laughs> chemical explosion. Yeah,
0: but it, it's actually um, to come bring it. You know, 0.5% back to politics. I've recently read up on things like Utopia for work, and it was actually nice to see that someone is putting a positive spin on the future. And oh,
1: absolutely. That There's a lot someone, of gloom.
0: Yeah, and it's it's just because of that. I think we should be very happy that we have someone like Elon Musk. But also, I mean, the other space um, entrepreneurs, Jeff Bezos, Branson, all the, you know, NASA, for Pete's sake. Yeah, uh, just, yeah that, they're, they're an among important. Among others, yeah. yeah. And, among others and NASA. Yeah. Um, yeah, that we have those people and that... In the not so far future, we will have some images that, you know, teen- teenagers can dream about again. And yeah, no,
1: it's very exciting. Quite
0: reassuring. And yeah, now maybe with the last, let's see, five minutes or well, four minutes the, the the debate.
1: Yeah, that was something, eh? <laughs> that was something. Uh, yeah, so I guess they say that, um, All the scientific polls show that Hillary won, but I think it pretty much depends on which candidate you liked or disliked. That's how you reacted to who won. I mean, I think every Trump supporter I've heard from or seen online says that Trump won, and every Clinton supporter says that obviously Clinton won. Um, But for me, it seemed very obvious that Trump had about 20 good minutes. He really hammered her on NAFTA and the TPP. He kind of, he had her faltering a little bit there, and it was, I was a little bit, uh uh-oh, she might get kind of pounded here, but... He just he can't last in a debate format, you know. He, after an hour or so, he was just rambling incoherently about nothing. She was getting him hard on his, you know, his inability or his unwillingness to pay taxes, his character flaws, um, his just illegal business dealings. And yeah, I think by the end of it, you have, you have to say that Hillary won that debate.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, uh, there's, I mean, there's this weird thing that I've heard. And that kind of makes sense to me is that, uh, apparently he does better with a more strict kind of setting where you have like two minutes, not a second more, two minutes, not a second more, that kind of thing. And this discussion was much more freestyle. And I think because he just can't himself, can't help himself defending himself when he's being attacked on 10 points, you will prove, you will claim to prove you wrong on 11. Yeah, I mean, and and I think that's what, that's how Hillary got him by just, you know, pushing uh, into his, what seems to be quite a considerable personal insecurity and just criticizing him in so many different ways that just by virtue of his, or lack of virtue of his personality, he felt like he had to defend himself and completely forgot attacking her when she clearly gave him a bunch of really good openings, which he could have, uh, you know, attacked her viciously, and uh, he simply didn't because he was still too busy remembering all the bad things she had she had said about him.
1: Yeah, he has very thin skin. I agree, and I think that you know Trump does so well with those sound bites. You know, he does so well with yeah. those, like those one minute, two minute, even like two sentence lines. And I think when he yeah. was surrounded by eight other Republicans during the GOP primaries, you know, he was just able to sort of. You know, he, he'll come in there and bounce something off Ted Cruz yeah. or Marco Rubio, and then you know everyone will be talking about that soundbite forever. But when you got a, a one-on-one and freewheeling debate for an hour and a half, he just, I for me, for me, he didn't have the stamina to last. You know, intellectually. Um, and by the end, he was just, you know, wrong, wrong, <laughs> wrong. You know, <laughs> I think they, I think the they said that Trump made 34 false claims during the debate and Clinton made four, so it's a pretty yeah, but, big
0: divide. Yeah, but I mean one could probably say that he reverted back to his to his original form. Yeah, because exactly. there was like there was no pretense after twenty minutes. Or like twenty five probably, but like he started losing it and Yeah, he
1: any seemed like all the all gloves were off and sort of all pretext just
0: went away in his head. Yeah. And but I mean it was kind of Hillary was, you know Better, uh, debaters could have beaten her, you know, quite comfortably, probably. But just, just by virtue of her not looking insane. Um, and by, you know, she had her more human moments, which was nice to see, uh, you know.
1: But. Yeah, yeah, no, she did.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, it, just that giggle was just. Amazing. Oh, yeah, it's like, oh, okay. So, <laughs> sorry, that is the, uh, twenty
1: two. Well anyway. Oh I
0: thought I was I thought it was twenty seven. my bad. No no I, no, I got that, that wrong. But it's like twenty seven plus like including intro and outro, so we have like Ah
1: uh, okay. Yeah, okay, that lives. sounds good.
0: Um yeah, so yeah, but the the debate I think it was at least a nice bit of theatre. And the next ones will be different both in, both in terms of structure and maybe you know Trump will actually prepare
1: <laughs> we'll see you never know uh, yeah okay crazy things have happened
0: so do you want to do the honors of the ultra well
1: guys thanks so much for listening to the cross-atlantic gpw live edition uh i'm tom lee and that's Maurice ricard and we enjoyed having you on the the show this time and and look next week or the next few weeks for for number two
0: yes exactly so talk to you later guys Bye.
1: All right guys, bye-bye.